Welcome, fool. You have come of your own free will to the appointed place. The game is over. It is time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. They thought they made a horror show. Nothing but they stirred a curse deep down below. But they had built it again to feel. Forever now they must spin the wheel. This is the 100 Lunatics Podcast, a horror movie podcast constantly in a state of resurrection. Here's your horror-loving host, Daniel. Good to be back. And his horror-hating cousin, Nathan. Hi. Prepare for tonight's episode, The Wicker Man. The Wicker Man. Spin number eight. We are back. We are constantly in a state of being back. I sort of love that about us. Struggling to survive. Nathan, welcome. Hi, Daniel. The Wicker Man, 1973. Nathan, have you ever seen it before? No, I have not. Either have I. And I got to tell you, I was super excited. Super excited because you know of its notoriety or just super excited because you've suddenly made a turn on horror? No, that was sarcasm, folks. You can reach me at my Twitter handle at at I hate horror because that's what I do. I hate horror movies and I am very vocal about it, and I like to be sarcastic and throw it in my cousin's face. Great. Great. Now you know who we are and what we're about. Nathan, tonight, not only do I have a special guest, but I believe you have a special guest in a very special event, a double special guest bringing. I have brought my friend Matt. Matt, say hello. Hey, what's going on? There he is. Nathan, who did you bring? I reluctantly brought Andrew with me. Uh, there has been some recent issues. If you, uh, if 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 our fans of One Hundred Lunatics podcast ever check out our other podcast, uh, Trailer Park podcast, you'll know that Andrew has uh, in the past uh, had some questionable behavior with leaving a podcast in the middle of recording. Um, I've he has apologized to me, and I feel that uh, that is that that I'm satisfied with his apology. He has offered and- a sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> It's a nice tie-in, Daniel. It's a nice tie-in uh, to the Wicker Man this evening. Uh, Andrew, this is kind of a trial run for you. Uh, we want you to participate more in 100 Lunatics if you are interested in it. Uh, welcome to 100 Lunatics. This is a, this is a new one. It's nice to be back. <laughs> there, it is. there it is. We're all about, if nothing else, we're all about second chances here. 100 Lunatics. And tonight's movie is The Wicker Man. There might be a little bit of confusion if you listened to last time's episode about which Wicker Man we're doing. And we finally decided there is no other option but to go with the original 1973 The Wicker Man. Something that I would imagine is probably on many film critics' top 25 horror films, right? Like you have, they give this one some credence. I wouldn't know. You're the horror expert, sir. Well, they do. This is considered the Citizen Kane. Really? I have a question then. Is this Wicker Man from 1973, is it actually a big deal within the horror community? Or is this a big deal by itself, off to the side, 
with a bunch of culty fanatics that follow this specific movie because this does not feel like a horror movie. Uh, you might, yeah, you're a little bit right about that. It is very tame and uh, much more in the psychological realm than it is in the gory physical realm of horror movies. Uh, it's in a very special little sub-genre that it sort of helped start. It may not have been the first, but it was definitely the definitive of what they call folk horror. Uh, if you ever see a movie about a weird cult that can't be trusted, you bet your ass that it stemmed from The Wicker Man. It's not every horror fan's favorite horror movie, but it definitely gets a respectful nod. Uh, it's charmful. It's fun. I'm sure we all had extremely positive reactions to it. <laughs> which we will get into uh, just, just to give a light touch on how everyone feels. Matt, positive, negative, your reaction to The Wicker Man? I appreciated the film. So positive. Yeah, positive. That, that's all I need for right now. Andrew, positive or negative? Uh, I had limited moments of positive reaction. Positive. More, more moments of negative So reaction. majority positive. Got majority it. Majority negative. <laughs> And I'm assuming by Nathan's sarcastic tone that he went negative. So a balance. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna pref I'm I'm gonna put an asterisk next to negative and say this is different. This movie. This is not what I expected. This is interesting. Interesting. The yeah. fact that you say that it's interesting is interesting. Uh, Nathan, what do we need to know? about tonight's movie, The Wicker Man 1973. Um, here's something that I've included just for you, Nathan. An IMDb rating of 7.7, a Rotten Tomato rating, 90% critics, 82% users. We've been over before, maybe not in this podcast, but definitely in other podcasts, what it means when the critics like something more than the users, right? Yes. And I think that because the other movie that I can think of most recently where the critics liked it more than the users was It Follows. And I have a similar feeling about The Wicker Man as I did about It Follows, which makes this sense. Is, this, has, this has a less of a disparity, though. It Follows was more of a 90-71. This is a 90-82. I would say that the disparity here is negligible, and any comment you're about to make is irrelevant. Okay, so then let's just go with Blanket Beloved. The Wicker Man, 1973, <laughs> directed by Robin Hardy, who hasn't really directed anything other than Wicker Man-related stuff, except for a movie in 1986 called The Fantasist. Everything else has been The Wicker Man. The Wicker Man, 1973, um, The Wicker... That, al that also seems to be a trend among horror movie directors, Daniel. It's odd. Hey, some people like to make are prolific and make hundreds of movies throughout their careers, and others, they just have one good one in them. And that's all we need him for. Although he did come back recently, within the last five years, to make a spiritual sequel called The Wicker Tree. Will we get to that one day? Maybe. Will we get to the 2006 Nicolas Cage remake one day? Maybe. I would like to point out the Nicolas Cage remake had a much different Rotten Tomatoes rating and user rating. I believe it came in at 17 and 15. Woo! Percent? <laughs> oh, that's too that's that. too low. I mean, it's not it's not super crazy Nicolas Cage, but there are some definite Nicolas Cage moments. Well, everyone took a flying dump on the remake. Oh, but he's he's punching women. He's screaming about bees in his eyes. It's it's good fun <laughs> in its own way. Um, 
<laughs> that makes me want to watch. <laughs> There's bees. There's bees. That that's the main difference between this one and the remake is that in this one it's all about this weird Scottish island that grows this fruit and vegetables that is like renowned. In the remake, the island is known for bees and honey. And so there's all this stuff about him being allergic to bees and having an EpiPen and yada, yada, yada. You can imagine what sort of conflicts he gets into. Ah, the bees! Um, let's see. Written by Anthony Schaefer. Uh, this is something, it may not mean anything to you guys, but Anthony Schaefer, in terms of a screenwriter, is someone that Agatha Christie, famous mystery novelist Agatha Christie, trusted above anybody else to make all of her books into movies. So he's credited, if there's an Agatha Christie movie made in the last, between 1973 and 1995, it was him that made it. And Death on the Nile is one of my favorites. I've seen it, I love it, I can watch it going to bed, there's just something incredibly charming about it, and I recommend it to anybody out there. Like the Poirot movie, Death on the Nile? Yes, exactly that yeah. one. Yeah. So this Wicker Man story is written by Agatha Christie? Uh, no, it is not. Oh, so it's unrelated. It is unrelated. I'm just trying to give you something else of his work. Speaking of other you're works. You're trying to pump up this Schaefer fellow. That's what you're trying to do. I am. Did you also, okay. uh, let's see, uh, Sergeant Howie, Edward Woodward, a double name ending in Ward, Edward Woodward. <laughs> um, the only real thing that I could find that he was notable for other than the Wicker Man was that he was the original The Equalizer. Oh, Re really? Recently remade by Denzel Washington into a feature film. That's interesting. So he's the Ridge. Like he's done British television his entire life. Like he's one of those okay. British actors that just does um, as much work as possible. Okay, we're, we're going to stop right now. Okay. Um, Daniel just used a term uh, that I don't necessarily think should be permitted. <laughs> See, this is what I was talking about before we even started. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is you creating. I don't know. I would I would actually suggest this is you being lazy. He ladies and gentlemen, he just referred to original as a ridge. <laughs> <laughs> he said he said this is the a ridge guy that played the equalizer. I'm not really on board with that. I just wanted to stop everything, let everyone know that that just happened. Now we can move on. Oh my god, what an asshole. All right. Nathan, Lord Summerisle, who is he? Uh, are you talking about Christopher Lee? Christopher Lee. Count Dooku to the millennials. The um, whole time, about an hour into this movie, Andrew and I were, were thinking, you know, Sasha Baron Cohen could do this role. Maybe he could. In like a and, then, and then Andrew was like, wait a minute, that's Christopher Lee. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit. And I still couldn't get Sasha Baron Cohen out of my head. But whatever. It was weird because I kept looking at him and not seeing Christopher Lee. But then when I would look away from the screen to be entertained by the wall, um, his voice would come through. And it, it sounds like him, but he, it really doesn't look like him in the movie. Mm. Yeah, no. <laughs> the voice the voice is there. Oh, it's there. Once, once you identify it, you can't. You can't stop. You're like, Saruman. Ah, <laughs> yeah. Lee. Christopher Lee's gigantic, thin body has such a deep voice. Gee, your kettle's cracked. The cause is plainly <laughs> told. There hath so many nails been drove. Mine own could not take hold. Take hold. That is deep. Mm. That man has some boom in that throat. 
Now I can just picture him when he's like mid twenties, just belting Shakespeare and like jerking off to himself. Oh yeah, in the mirror, just doing it oh, like Boogie Nights, Dirk Diggler style. Like yeah, yeah, big time. Who do you work for? Um, Nathan, did you know that after years of being an iconic horror piece of the Hammer film industry, playing Dracula, Frankenstein, the Mummy? That's what Christopher Lee started with. He was he has always been into horror. He is that sort of dude. You can kind of see it when he's trampsing around towards the end of this movie. Uh, you can kind of see the Frankenstein in him. Do you know that he was so into the idea of this being like a great turn for modern horror movies that he did this movie for free? Holy shit. Weird. He did it for free. He really believed in it. He like pushed and pulled and kicked to get this movie made. And uh, in and did it for free, and makes a cameo in the spiritual sequel, The Wicker Man tw- or The Wicker Tree, twenty eleven, because he still believes in this director. Um, it's in, that's interesting because uh, he actually got into a dispute with the Lord of the Rings uh, producers, I guess, over edited scenes that got cut with him in them. He's, oh, he's he wanted very, more time. He seems like a very emotional, childish, like tantrum type. He could be. He could be. What kind of sort of person agrees to work on a project for free unless you're, like, really emotional? He could be one of those sort of weirdo, always into Hollywood actor guys. I wonder what his financial situation was going into it as well. Um, probably not that bad because he's in, like, five million things. Hmm. Yes, but at that is. time, at 1973. Yeah, he's... You should pull him up on IMDb yes, as Nathan, goes on. It's Nathan, endless. Nathan, Andrew, since you bring this up, quick guess. How many... IMDb credits does Christopher Lee have? Wait. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Don't look it wait, up, you up, fucking up, cheater. Wait up. Wait up. Don't look it wait. up. No, no, don't right now. Answer me. Everybody, everybody just stop. Answer me right now. What are the rules of this contest? You answer right now. No, 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 no. Is it like if you go above, is it like price is right? Price is right, you go you go too high, you're eliminated. Nathan, come on, what are you doing? Or are we like close whoever's just the closest to it numerically? If whoever's closest to it. Okay, uh, uh, 362. Okay, Andrew. I said 724. Okay. Yeah, you're out. 724, yeah, you're out. Yeah, you're, you're way out. Matt, I think you already know. Do you already know? No, I didn't look at your... Okay, you're just, looking, you're just dead staring at my notes. <laughs> I have no idea. 575. Nathan wins. 282. Yep. 282. 22. And this is something you find with British actors where they just they just fucking work. They don't give it. They don't give a shit about what they're doing. They just work. Acting is work to them. It's not about, oh, I want my career to be prestigious. It is just about doing parts and filling roles. Wow. I'm sure there's a lot of British actors out there that just got generalized into a little box by Daniel. It's like, hey, wait a minute. Benedict Cumberbatch is probably like, what a fucking asshole. No, he's, he's one of them. He doesn't yeah. stop working. He hasn't stopped working he in does, like three all, years. Although you could consider him like, the, like the Leo DiCaprio. Back to back to back. Yeah, but what he's saying is he doesn't care. He just works. I'm sure there's a whole fucking shit ton pile yeah. that Cumberbatch has turned down or just didn't have time for or couldn't do. Right. Yeah, that's true. Now, let me fit. Let me get through this. Brit... Eklund, who plays Willow, the landlord's daughter. Um, do you know that she is the reason that a Swedish blonde bombshell is a conceptual thing today? Again, why are we giving this kind of credit to the Wicker Man? <laughs> it is because she had such a shocking because, like appearance in this movie. Everybody watched the Wicker Man and decided that that's what a Swedish blonde blonde bombshell would be. 
No, that's just where it sort of came from. There might have been a few before, there might have been a few after, but this is the iconic start of like, oh yeah, Swedish girls. They're tall, blonde, and hot. Wow. I feel like you read this off a Wikipedia page. Oh, I read it off a Wikipedia page and then many other pages to reconfirm it. Oh, I like goodness. to research, Nathan. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, I just want you to know for the record, all of the thousands and thousands of fans of our podcast, um, you will not be able to see any sort of reference to any of these credits that he is claiming. They will never show up anywhere. So you just have to take him at his word. That's part of the mystery. You got to go down the rabbit lights. hole with me. <laughs> and Willow and Lord Summer Isle both come back together in the movie A Man with a Golden Gun. Little James Bond reemergence together again. Same character names? Oh, I don't know about that. Mm. Why don't you refer to them by their actor and actress names instead of their character names then? It's quite confusing. Well, it's Britt Eklund and Christopher Lee, you son of a bitch. Moving on to Miss Rose. <laughs> Diane Calento? Let's say Diane Calento. Married to the writer of this film. She plays the teacher. It is the image of the penis. That teacher. You know who I'm talking about. Well, we know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We definitely know. Wait, you know? What do you mean you know? Why do you say it like that? We know all about snail stones and toadstones and hag stones. <laughs> do you love the way he just erases the board? Um, <clears throat> let's see. It was a uh, budget. Nathan, take a guess at the budget. Do you think it's a low-budget film? You're damn right it is. <laughs> <laughs> 500,000 pounds, couldn't even break a million. 500,000 pounds, Nathan, we were just through this last time with Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, which was made for just 100,000. Here's another one, half a million. I think 400,000 of that went to the building of the Wicker Man itself. I was just going to say the Wicker Man itself probably cost the whole budget. Well, they didn't have to pay Christopher Lee anything. Right. Although a bunch of women did get naked on film. So oh, they probably got some money. That's true. That's that's how I knew. I was like, even if Nathan hates this film, there's at least a lot of boob. And the rare from-behind pussy shot. Am I right? You don't get that very often in film. You get it in this one. Yeah, that happened a couple times. She had beautiful eyes. She had beautiful <laughs> eyes. A little oddly upturned nose. She had very nice breasts. But Nathan... Very nice hair. Do you know whenever... Nice, nice complexion. Whenever she was were great. Whenever she was fully nude, that was a body double. Oh, no way. Yep. And she was so Swedish and she had to be so Scottish that her entire voice is dubbed over. <laughs> yep. So you're not hearing her real voice. And whenever she's like fully naked, smacking the wall, not her. So she truly is just an object of sex. Yes. Uh, okay. The landlord's daughter. <laughs> this was uh, an interesting musical. It was. The first half is very much a musical. I'm all done. I'm done with whatever we need to know. Uh, Nathan, uh, before we continue on to the walkthrough, let me before you give your rundown of what you think this movie is about, just to clarify objectively for the listeners, The Wicker Man is very, it's a very simple story. There was a policeman from the mainland of Scotland. He got a letter. I'm assuming to the police station. They never quite clarify that. And how little do you need to make a, pol a police plane trip out to a weird island to investigate a missing girl? That's what he's there for. He runs into a bunch of weird bullshit, people not giving him a straight answer, and it all dwells and tunnels eventually into a big cultish climax. 
disturbing psychologically throughout, very light on the gore. I'd say good for most people. Nathan, what is your summary of this film? Where's my music? (laughs) The Wicker Man. Controversial and offensive in its day. Comes across now as a jolly and musical anti-Christian celebration of paganism. This is not even a horror movie. This is a movie that needs to be on Broadway. With a fire marshal in the wings and fresh, abundant fruit handed out at the exits. Abundant. Mm. Mm. Oh, that was it. That was it. That was it. Oh, man. That was pretty smooth. Wax poetic, cousin. Hmm. Well, this is about uh, bringing the harvest in, right? So no, I kept I think wait. That, I think I think that if people had some some heat on their faces in a live theater performance and got some fresh fruit as they exited, it would be a nice a nice touch, a little whipped cream on top of the ice cream, if you know what I mean. Oh yeah, no, I'm surprised. I kept waiting for like the the real sting. Like I I I, I can see that you. Uh, this movie was not what you expected, but didn't entirely offend you either. My close. I am not offended by this movie. I am intrigued by it a little bit. I also don't want to celebrate it either. You see, folks, there's an issue with horror movies, and that's when something that has the label of horror movie does something competent, people tend to jerk off all over its face. <laughs> be, and... su- be subtle. Oh, sorry. Um, people tend to applaud it for things a little bit more than they should. Ejaculate upon its visage. Um, yes, ejaculation of serpents. <laughs> of serpents, yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, they may cross is... out one of my trivia questions. Jesus. Oh, I just screwed you over. <laughs> um, you know what? It's it's interesting. It does make me curious the kind of impact this movie had in its day. That's that's where I'm kind of driving at tonight is I I can't imagine a movie that that was so confident in its paganism portrayal here. It was a pretty epic in in how aggressive it was from a pagan perspective. I I just picture people in the 70s that were Christian being really offended by this. Oh, I imagine everyone uh, I agree. everyone that wasn't like under 30 that saw this just had this reaction. Oh, what is all this? Just offended. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm he he did a good job that main character of yes, of being being insulted by everything that was happening. And it did help to illustrate for you, you know, what it probably meant in 1973. I didn't like his outfit. Let's get that out out of the way. What his uniform? His police he uniform? He looked like a guy. When, when you get back into the seventies and they got that hat with the checkered flag around it, they looked like they should be given parking tickets, not investigating murders and disappearances. Murder. Yeah, I Nathan. I'm glad that you said. I'm glad that you appreciate Sergeant Howie. He's our main character. Um, he makes this movie for me. There's a lot going on that's very like sneaky and creepy and appreciative, but it is his religiously offended reaction to everything that keeps me tugging along through this movie. I was telling Matt earlier, I usually watch these movies two or three times in preparation for this podcast, and I watched this one like five or six times happily. 
Like, there's just something quick and fun about watching him just, oh, oh, what? Like, to everything. He's so uncomfortable through the whole thing. The whole thing. <laughs> He's just so out of place. And can you see the difference in, in older movies and modern movies? Like, wouldn't a modern movie today, like, during the credits or right before the credits, the sort of modern format is cold open, right? Something exciting and violent to someone you don't know about. Cut to credits and loud music. Cut to, like, school starting and a bunch of kids getting shit out of their lockers, right? I guess that's the modern format of a modern horror movie. Yeah, definitely. But in the 70s, the credits were, like, useless atmosphere setup time. Like, the whole time the credits are going... Yeah, the credits are take forever. It's just folk music and him flying in a plane. Pictures of seagulls. Oh, lots of seagulls. Like, in the beach, just random... Just Scottish I don't, I don't Highlands. Jump, I don't want to jump too far ahead with this thing because you're going to do the walkthrough. But I'm actually surprised that the director wasn't more successful from this movie because there's some interesting choices here. And I know that some of it is probably driven by the writing as well. But it, it almost makes me think of that movie with Bjork in it called Dancer in the Dark. Yeah. A little bit. I mean, the, the comparison's not really that, that uh, direct. But it's just got this serious content and this is where the comparison is is that the content is very serious especially when you take into account when it was made and how you know who it would offend and then when it dances off into its musical interludes which is what dancer in the dark also does it traps you it traps you and makes you you know kind of just get involved in how ridiculously over the top and committed they all are to this paganism religion and it's just this one guy just being shocked by everything around him <laughs> offended by everything around him and the musical aspect of it just drives it home and some of the the camera work and everything he did there was that one scene with the snails <laughs> yeah <laughs> and what what the yeah no i don't want to i don't want to get there because you're going to do the walkthrough but no, no you're absolutely right this this the first third i'd say of this movie is very much a musical like yeah, you get a, you get a couple of songs during the credits with the plane coming in and then you get this mild interlude and and to give the movie credit it does give you like a very creepy tone right from the get-go like this police officer has landed his plane he's calling to the shore for them to send out a dinghy to pick him up and it's just a bunch of old dudes that are like Oh, what are you lost? <laughs> Shifty-eyed old men, and then a guy with like flowing hair riding in on a stallion. <laughs> yes, I gotta understand like why they threw that in there. But, yeah. Yes, no so, one, no one seems. Off. It feels, it feels like a Monty Python scene. The way that they're yelling with mic megaphones. From, yeah, like a long distance. They don't want to let him on shore, and that's creepy because he's very obviously a police officer in this well-decorated police officer plane. And they're just like, uh, you, you made a left. You should have taken a right. <laughs> Doing this for years. Yeah, but they eventually go out and pick him up. He comes onto shore and he's there for one reason and one reason only. And that's because he got a letter. I, uh, again, I'm assuming to the police station. One letter. That's all it took. That's the part that really weirds me out. That that's all it took. There was no phone call to confirm. It was just, we got this fucked up letter. Here I am. Here's what it says. None of us has seen May Morrison's daughter, Rowan, since last year. She's only 12, and she's been missing from her home for many months. The mother's name is May Morrison. Oh, May! She quite slipped my memory. Of course we've got May. She keeps the post office in the high street. The post office in the high street? I'm totally hypnotized by the Scottish accent throughout this film. 
No, the Scottish accents are there. Um, I don't know if they're perfectly done for for all of the people, but no. But this movie has a weird habit of like all the little shops in the village double up. Like they're not just one thing; they're two things. So he's talking about the daughter. The girl missing is Rowan Morrison, the daughter of May Morrison. May Morrison runs the post office. What else does the post office double as? A candy shop. A candy shop. Thank you, Matt, for paying fucking attention. <laughs> With like chocolate rabbits. Hairs. Much hairs. <laughs> oh, sorry. They're hair not rabbits. rabbits. Yes, you're right. <laughs> okay. And foreskin or something? Like in jars? Yeah, the jar of foreskin. <laughs> oh, oh, you guys all saw the jar of foreskin, yeah. Oh, I'm sure you did. No, that is the old man. He is both uh, the... He runs the apothecary and he is also the town's photographer come on guys right right photographer almost had that one almost tip of your tongue i get it edge of your seat sorry sorry we didn't watch it five times happening (laughs) (laughs) but then that's all it is it's a little bit weird that that none of this point at this point in the movie though when you are watching it for the first time you are still with woody woodson and his investigation woody woodson yeah Woody Wooderson, Edward Edward Woody Woodrow, Sergeant Wood, uh, Howie, Sergeant Howie Wood Wood. Uh, no, no, Sergeant Howie. Oh, just Sergeant Howie. Okay, where did I get the Woodrow stuff? His from? name is this Edward is, Woodward. Edward Woodward. His real name rolls off the tongue. His real name is Edward Woodward. Okay, well, Sergeant Howie, you're with him. You're with him at this point still. Okay, you think there's something to investigate, and you're on his side. You haven't been fully immersed in the oddball world of the island no and they creep you out they're all old and sinewy they're on this weird island everyone's like poking their head out of their doors and their windows as he's walking through town and then uh he comes upon the inn known as the green man inn he comes in i remember that because it made me think of wheel of time oh there you go that's deep cut the music stops remind me of wheel of time yeah why didn't it andrew end of the first book of wheel of time yeah green man the Green Man. I believe yeah. this is his uh, druidic origin coming from this movie. Uh, the music stops instantly as he walks in. Classic cop fashion. <laughs> Might as well have been like a vinyl scratch as he walked in the door. <laughs> Everything stops. And I think secretly the landlord of this inn might be one of my favorite characters in this movie. The ball guy? Yeah, well, the, the landlord. Like the guy that runs the inn. The guy that uh, serves the beer. The ball guy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my daughter Willow. Yeah, that guy. Hmm. Yeah. And then the the song there. Oh yeah. Best yeah, song in the song whole thing. He's got have the landlord's daughter. Oh. If, if if I'm thinking of the same guy, then he was he had good intensity. He did. He was such a weirdo. It was still, it was such a weird thing that he had this beautiful daughter in the first place. Because Sergeant Howie walks in, he just wants a room and some food. The landlord that runs the inn brings out his daughter Willow, who's this like hot blonde bombshell with an upturned nose, and immediately all the weird <laughs> old dudes break out into this lewd lewd song yeah about the you landlord's know, the, daughter the, the way that all these people happily accept everything wouldn't surprise me for one of them to walk in on uh, you know the landlord giving it to his giving it to his own daughter and be like oh sorry sorry about that <laughs> everything's normal everything's fine <laughs> that's totally okay i feel like this is the scene where i i started 
being like, oh, I can watch the rest of this movie. Like, there's something weird that's going to happen. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Uh, like, this, this was the first point where I was like, okay, I'm not frustrated anymore. I was, I was contemplating it at this point. When they were all giving it to each other outside in the, in, in the fornication grove late at right. night. Uh-huh. That, was, what was that? that was when I was like, okay, yeah, there's something here. There's something here. Oh, there's definitely something here, yeah. But before he ever goes outside and witnesses the odd nighttime yard orgy. Um, <laughs> yard orgy. There is my favorite song in this movie, which is The Landlord's Daughter. I have all the lyrics written out. I'm, t- I'm just going to go ahead and, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and play it. Willow. Father. This is Sergeant Howie, a policeman from the mainland who will be spending the night with us. This is my daughter Willow. This is my daughter Willow. Much has been said of the strumpets of yore. Oh, when she sent Bobby House Queens by the score. But I sing of the baggage that we all adore. The landlord's daughter. You'll never love another. The part that. Oh, classic. The part that, like, I watched this the first time with Amanda, and this is the part of the movie where she stopped squirming in her chair being bored and, like, paid attention. Mostly because of the part at the end of this song when that, like, really fat dude starts, like, thrusting his cock against the landlord's daughter and they do the little ass cock bounce through the room. <laughs> Yeah, no, actually, now that you're giving me the details, I think this was more than contemplation at this point. I think this was like, okay, this is this is interesting. This is intriguing. Uh, this movie also made me think of something that I never thought about before. Which is? Nude tombstone crying. Never nude, thought about that before. Nude tombstone yeah. crying. Never, yes. never gave that any thought before. Uh, never, never contemplated that as something that you could do. Or but, breastfeeding um, in a cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> yep. With an yeah, egg an in your left hand, <laughs> just holding it out. That is well, awesome. It's, it's now on the table. It wasn't on the table before, but now it's on the table. It's something that happens. Yes. Uh, let me just let me reiterate, reiterate the uh, last verse of the landlord's daughter. And when her name is mentioned. The parts of every gentleman do stand up at attention. Oh, nothing can delight so as does the part that lies between her left toe and her right toe. That is beautiful Scottish music making. Father must be proud. Maybe Christopher Lee did this for free because there's something wrong with him. <laughs> He's like, no, I get it. We're gonna have like thirty-five sweet little nymphettes on set. We're gonna convince them this is art, and I get to be their leader. Mm-hmm. On and off set. Mm, would you like to see the true Lord Summerisle? I think we need to do another read through with her and her and uh, you, you in the back. Private read through. Meet me in my trailer. <laughs> it's the one that says Lee. Mm-hmm. 
It is. And if it wasn't, yeah, it, he, uh, Sergeant Howie is crazy offended by all this. He takes the ashtray on the counter and smacks it to get everyone's attention, lets them know that he's here on fucking business. He's not here to watch them traipse around and half rape the landlord's daughter in front of the landlord. <laughs> Have you even heard of Jesus Christ? <laughs> <laughs> Willow. And he walks outside, sees the yard orgy. Super offended, starts walking around all confused, like, what the fuck is happening here? Says what you already mentioned, Nathan, the naked woman crying on top of the grave. Mm, very, very interesting. Never thought of that before. That's new. No, That's she, new she wants to be close. That's the closest way you can get to the dead. And there's, like, another group of people that are, like, r- dancing in a circle, like, watering a grave or something. I wasn't quite sure what they were doing. She's she's drinking in the samsara. The samsara. Ooh. Yeah. No deep cut. Um Do you know do you know what samsara means? Uh the life force. It is the never-ending cycle of birth and death. There you go. Boom, nailed it. There you go. Uh Sergeant Howie offended Completely offended, runs back inside, gets his key, goes up to his bedroom, uh, starts saying his prayers. There's a flashback to him being in church and speaking to the church. He is, like, very on the edge of temptation. He's sweaty. He's Actually, he's sweaty throughout a lot of this film, let's be honest. There is constantly a bead of sweat on Sergeant Howie's face. And for as as much as the landlord's daughter's song and the reaction of the guys at the harbor made me really creeped out and drawn into this film... It is actually Willow's song. The song that she uses to try and seduce Sergeant Howie that, like, actually made this movie more lighthearted to me than what it was trying. Did that happen to you guys? Do you know what I mean by that? By that? Like, I, I thought didn't it was. I think a- about it that much. I saw a chick. Um. Oh. Going <laughs> around. against the yeah. wall? Yeah. 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 Just yeah, banging <laughs> fists against the wall. Yeah. Yeah, and then like the weird ankle twirl moves where you get. I just, I, I, I just, I just remember. I remember very vividly her eyes and her hair being very pretty, looking very nice. Oh yeah, she, she's knocking against the wall. She's singing out. She's blatantly being like, "If you come to my bedroom, I will show you all kinds of pleasure." Sergeant Howie is hearing it. He's doing weird overacting rituals of like reaching shakily towards the wall. Not being able to control himself, sweating. She's dancing around, slapping cabinets and windowsills like a maniac. Like it seemed, it came across kind of goofy to me. Yeah, it was a weird scene. It, no, at at that point, I was so immersed in the musical element and bizarre element. You were just staring at her naked body. What are you talking about? I was looking at ankles. Ankles. Sweet, no. sweet ankles. She, I mean, she was a beautiful woman. Her eyes and her hair were, were very beautiful, very nice. Not her real voice. She had a nice complexion. Yeah, whoever that body double was. Oh, she, oh, she was, wait a minute, she was naked? What? Oh, yeah, she, she does was, the weird, like, nude? squatting thrust dance where she smacks yeah, the wall. I guess she probably was. You can't really tell between the uh, the sweating of Sergeant Howie. I was I was more engaged in the intensity of the scene and the uh, the delivery of, of the musical elements. I wasn't really focused on the nudity. Oh sure. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. No. I. Way to be involved, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if you've never seen The Wicker Man before, there is a lot of naked women in this movie. 
a lot. And what happens is you end up becoming desensitized and you, and you really do focus in on the musical element and the message that's being uh, presented to you. It's, it's, it's true. Oh yeah, the musical element is strong. And we skipped over this part. There's a weird part where he orders some food and eats in the dining room. And it's not really important in terms of what they're acting out, but it's important to know that this weird Scottish island known for its bountiful fresh fruit and vegetables doesn't have anything fresh at all in the realm of fruit and vegetables to offer Sergeant Howie for dinner. And he notices and is disgusted everything's by in it. A, everything's in a jar. Ugh. Ugh, can't. In a can. Can. <laughs> well, his beans in natural state aren't supposed to be turquoise. But This is your first indication as to their struggles with their harvest. It is. They also have a wall in the inn that's full of pictures from every year of the young girl associated with the harvest of that year in front of the bountiful crates full of fruit and vegetables. But for some reason, there's a dusty blank space on the wall where 1972, the last picture, is missing. And everyone's very, very suspicious about their answers for it. Well, it was broken. It was broken. It was It was broke. Willow. I, I only take the one picture. It was broke. <laughs> There's no, there's no copies. I don't keep any copies no, of them. No, 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 sir. No, one and done. That's what we say around here. It's, and Sergeant Howie manages to squelch his temptation. He almost gets his door open many times during the Willow song. He manages to survive, sleeps through the night. Next morning, Willow comes in, wakes him up. She's very blatant about it. She's like, I totally invited you to fuck me last night. Why didn't you show up? And why doesn't he show up? Because he's married. He's almost married. He doesn't believe in sex before marriage. Oh, yeah, he's a virgin. He's a virgin. Thank you, Matt. The movie lets you know very early on that this old man is most definitely and awkwardly a virgin. I missed it. <laughs> of course you did. You're because you paying attention to the eyes. Is that yeah. you? You're like or looking over your shoulder while you're playing Minecraft. You're like, oh, what's happening? She's not naked anymore. Never mind. No, I was taking notes about the ejaculation of the serpents. <laughs> <laughs> There's actually notes here about that. Yeah. Very clearly, everything's in like unreadable cursive and then in clear print, uh, ejaculating serpent. <laughs> but that's all that we get. We get that little clue that Sergeant Howie is still a virgin. And then continuing in the fashion of being a weird horror musical right into the next song. In the woods there grew a tree, and a fine, fine tree was he. And this, more than all the other songs that have happened before this in the movie, this comes off very much as like a church song. Like it's got that weird, stale, bob your head feel to it. The man on top of the woman, the woman in the, it has a baby, it becomes a man, it becomes a boy, blah, blah, blah. No, this is about fertility, uh, cycle of life, uh, the phallic symbol, everybody twisting their thing around it. This is not... A church song. This is game. the cult enforcing their rules. This is on the this kids. is yeah. This is the about brain manipulation. This is about, yeah, this is about the manipulation on the children. Exactly, yeah. Andrew. Exactly. But we're a deeply religious people. This is a pivotal scene. This is about the manipulation of the children. Thank yeah. you, Andrew. I think Daniel missed out on something in his walkthrough. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> you watched this five times. Five fucking times. <laughs> Holy shit. 
I may not know what the green man was, but... Uh, I think he just didn't like the song, so he dismissed it. Dismissed it. He yeah. was focused on the school teacher part. This was just like a peripheral thing that pissed him off. It's like, these kids are too young to be naked. I don't want to pay attention. Mm. Uh, incorrect. Yeah, we, know, we know what he was looking at. He yeah. wasn't looking at her eyes or her hair. Right? Oh, what is all this? No, I very much... <laughs> I very much love what I, what I labeled the tree song. Uh, I like that it's all about fertility and sex on this island. I like the song, but this does very much just a lot of the songs in this movie are used to be like transition scenes, like just backgrounds for Sergeant Howie walking around town, uh, being sort of offended and freaked out by things. And this is him just snooping around the schoolyard, right? Like he just stares in the window of this classroom. That's how he that's that's how he. Uh, comes to this next scene where he starts this investigating is, the school this room. is creative is what it is you got a five hundred thousand pound budget you gotta you know create the world around him as much as you can and if that means a cheap pole with some cheap ribbons and a bunch of kids singing a song with you know five lyrics then that's that's what you gotta go with that's what you gotta do yes <laughs> and in this branch there's a bed in the bed there's a man I noticed they use boy and man, but never use girl and lady. Only ever girl. So a man lays with a girl. Brings into question what this cult is all about. Um, what does the male pole represent, Nathan? Uh, phallic. Penis. It is the image of the penis. That's right. It is the image of the penis. Mm-hmm. How does Sergeant Howie feel about this? Uh, he's, uh, he's disgusted. He's disgusted. Taken back. Extremely taken back. But you back. can be quite yeah. sure that I shall report this to the proper authorities. Everywhere I, I go on this island, it seems to me I find degeneracy, and there is brawling in bars, there is indecency in public places, and there is corruption of the young, and now I see it all stems from here. It stems from the filth taught here in this very schoolroom. I was unaware that the police had any authority in matters of education. Ah, ah well, we'll see about that. Oh, we'll see about that. <laughs> we'll see about that. The filth being taught here. The filth. Did anyone else find uh, Sergeant Howie's detective skills to be lacking? He's, he's <laughs> throughout this movie, like he just, just comes up with his own little decision, but doesn't actually like research anything. He to come up with answers. He just like takes people's words see, on things. See, keeps gentlemen, offended. gentlemen, Andrew is bringing up a very important point here. I want to tell you, in my opinion that I think that this character could have been uh, better served or more impactful in the story if they had been a priest or a Christian yeah. priest, religious symbol person. It may have been more difficult to find a way to properly lure him out there. I think it works with him being part of the law. Like, religious has its own dogmatic it, law. It fits. It would have worked if you, you know eliminated the whole mother part of it as being oblivious if the mother had gone to the mainland and went to the priest and asked for his help that's true and you bring up a part that we totally skipped over which is that the mother who is supposed to be worried about her missing daughter claims that that's not her daughter at all right well we know what we were focusing on the song the landlord's daughter the reason why we skipped over that daniel is because you were so incredulously disappointed in our ability to identify that it was not only just a post office, it was also 
a chocolate shop. A candy store, close enough. Right, that's what we were <laughs> focusing on. We weren't focusing on the fact that the mother was oblivious to the situation and seemed to not care about her own daughter being oh, missing. Oh, don't, don't you take <laughs> me down this path, Nathan. Don't you the do this. dual use of the building as a fucking post office and a fucking candy shop. That's what we were focused <laughs> what on. Is... And can I ask you, Daniel, how much impact the post office and the candy has on the rest of the movie? Oh, what is... Going to give you a big zero percentile on that. What is Sergeant Howie's police identification number proudly displayed on both of his shoulders throughout the duration of the movie? <laughs> Are you pulling out quizzes on me? <laughs> Is there actual numbers? I thought it was just the three stripes. It's actual numbers. They're there the whole time. Uh, go fuck yourself, Daniel. We obviously didn't look at the numbers. I want you to tell me what the top thing was that he erased on the chalkboard. What was the stone that he erased? The bottom three were snail stone, toadstone, and hagstone. What was the top one? It is the image of the penis. It is the image of the penis. In the woods that grew a tree. I don't know, Nathan. What is the top line? <laughs> I was hoping that you looked it up on the internet or something. It's been bugging me. No, I was more just impressed that he didn't give a fuck about what they were learning. He just erased it all. <laughs> I thought it was going to come up later on in the movie, so I was furiously writing down everything that I could. I didn't know that the police were teachers. Oh, we'll see. We'll see about that. It's the board. I'm going to teach them now. It is. That's that's what's so great about him is that he's so (laughs) brute. He's like 24 throughout this entire movie. He's just like, oh, you need a warrant to check out my information. No, I fucking don't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's the other thing, too. He just uh, goes, does everything willy-nilly. Like, like he's... uh, his own god here. He should be the god of this town. Well, Because he, he, he just gets them to do whatever he wants. I mean, he ends uh, up being the martyr. Like, right? That's right. <laughs> I'll bring you to the police station in the mainland if you don't do this. Yeah, he just threatens everyone the whole time. Yeah. He's like, oh, do you want to go to jail with Jesus? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't have a warrant, but I'm going to search everyone's home on the entire island. Mm-hmm. And I love this little scene where he walks into this into the schoolhouse because one, he's offended by the fact that she said penis to a bunch of little girls. Uh, two, he wants to shut the whole school down. He plans to do so after he gets back to the mainland. Three, he investigates all the girls that he knows are lying to his face. And there's the one obvious outcast black sheep girl. Like it's a bunch of like attractive little girls all sitting in a row, and then the one like chubby, greasy haired girl. Reaching for an insect. Yeah. With the vacant desk. Who loves to torture beetles in the (laughs) obviously empty desk that he notices and inquires about. The beetle goes round and round, always the same way, you see, until it ends up right up tight to the nail. Poor old thing. (laughs) Poor old thing? And why in God's name do you do it, girl? So offended. Mm. Why the fuck do you do it? I got to mention, though, the music in this movie was done very well because it has that, like, strange, odd, pulsating thing going on in the background for some of these scenes that get really awkward and weird. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of movies out there that do that, that have that pulsating music in the background. And you don't really realize why you're as, as engaged as you are because the material isn't obviously that good. But the music is, is, like, really pulsing in the background and really keeping your attention. 
this would be like this the score part not the musical part right the score yeah. part yeah. yeah 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 also yeah it, it isn't good that daniel brought that up that all the other girls all the all the other kids in the class all, all the young women mm -hmm. um they're all women right and there's no boys there's no boys no they're oh, separated wait. out oh wait yeah no he didn't mention that i fucking did thank High you five. thank you for not making me do everything <laughs> You're Just right. Being a dick. Oh, and they're all Swedish, and they all had an impact on culture. <laughs> you <laughs> son of a bitch. High but, five. But they are. They're don't high five. High five you, Matt. Yeah, don't fucking bring that shit to me. What are you high fiving for? You didn't accomplish Just anything. Just keeping the balance. <laughs> keeping the balance. <laughs> okay, you know my favorite part of the conversation with that school teacher? Yes. My favorite part is when they're outside talking to each other. They're talking about Rowena being in the ground. Rowan. Rowan. Sorry. Rowena. <laughs> I, was, I was going Holland's opus on you. Sorry. Um, yeah, no, they're talking about her being in the ground. And he's like, yeah, oh, so she's over there buried by the church. And her big problem with this comment is, um, well, no. No. <laughs> uh, she's buried in the ground but that's building is not a church anymore yes it's no yeah. longer consecrated christian yeah so it's so, it's up for debate as to my, whether that church yeah. is a churchyard or a graveyard well no because he's 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 all like oh my god she's buried in the ground and she's like yeah no that part's not important the important part that you're missing is that that's not a church oh there yeah there is no there is no jesus on this island there is no god on this island all right just deal with it no, I, but before that even is my favorite interaction with the teacher to where he just forcefully gets access to her like attendance booklet very quickly sees that Rowan Morrison's name is written in the book that she does belong to the woman that runs the post office everyone has very <laughs> obviously been blatantly lying to his face and he before he has the chance to snap the booklet shut he just goes you're liars you are despicable little liars and you are the biggest liar of all. Just calls a bunch of little girls despicable little liars. <laughs> Brutal. That's great. She has no chance to defend herself. He immediately starts threatening her with jail time for obstruction. That's the Sergeant Howie that I love. I feel like this uh, must have been like super offensive to a lot of people. Oh, yes. It was like a clash between like monotheism and polytheism, right? I mean, the paganistic outlook against like, you know, the Christianity or the Christian yeah. outlook. So, I mean, I get it. I feel like it's lost something with uh, this time delay. Yes. At least with me. <laughs> but no, you're not. What was that? Just Matt, you've been kind of quiet. You came up with this like theology. Let's. Well, yeah, I don't know. Like the way I saw, I mean. You got a Christian going to a, an island, and it's basically a bunch of pagans that believe in mono or polytheism. And he's like, he believes in one God, and that's what he keeps pushing, like his message. You know, that's why he keeps getting offended. And they like push down, and they like, you know, knock him for, you know, they basically say, you know, Jesus is dead, God is dead, and he keeps getting offended. And they do the zoom in on his face. <laughs> he's like in the guy's room. See, oh, why room. wasn't there a sequel? Why wasn't there a sequel with like a bunch of priests? that come to the island and the harvest hasn't gone well the next year either and shit gets shit gets intense no there was a sequel that the writer of this film did write immediately after this film 
that involved Sergeant Howie escaping and continuing to hide out on the island and a bunch of supernatural shit coming in and like witches and witchcraft what? and a bunch of crazy shit. He survived? He was burning alive. Yes, but the director completely disagreed with the, with the idea, uh, kiboshed it, and then came back 30 years later to make his own sequel. Super not not good. Yeah, I ha- I own it, The Wicker Tree, but I've yet to watch it. I almost did in preparation, but I didn't have any time. Um, from here, now that he knows that she's in the graveyard, not the churchyard, he immediately goes to talk to the to the groundskeeper of the graveyard, who now we've all seen old lawnmowers, right? The weird, like spindly, bladey kind. What was kind. that? <laughs> I don't even know what that was. Did it have a motor? Like I don't know. It did a horrible job too. It looked unkempt and like disgusting <laughs> the entire time. It's like he does that for a living. Like that's his purpose <laughs> on this island is to like, <laughs> landscape and like keep this. <laughs> it looked. It looked like they asked for a prop and got like. You know, a seventies vacuum. Yes, push, it looked like push a vacuum. vacuum. <laughs> yes. And we're like we're like, we don't have time to get, you know, the one with the blades that actually looks like a lot li- fuck it. Fuck it. We'll fuck just it. use that. Just vacuum. We'll just, the we'll just use that vacuum one. But the but the HEPA filter bag is still on it. Fuck it. Push yeah. forward. Yeah, yeah. That That's was exactly what happened. Because a lawnmower didn't have a cover because that didn't make any sense. No, that was so weird to me. But the the whole, like, keeping with the pagan rituals of this island, whenever somebody dies or gets buried in the graveyard, they have a tree planted on top of their grave. And on that tree, what do they have festooned upon it? Yeah, it's like navel tissue or something. That's a good, that's good, close enough. Like beef jerky necklace. I don't know. (laughs) 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 Beef jerky is oddly accurate. That they... That they took some skin and ripped it off their body and, and posted it on the tree. It is the umbilical cord. Mm, great. Thanks for clarifying that. It is their navel tether. Navel tether, that's navel what they tether. said. Tether. I, we talked about that when it happened. Connecting them to their mother, and now that it's all beef jerky, we'll just hang it off this tree. Beautiful. Yeah, I think we called it navel tissue or something. Do we? No, I think what we ended up with was um, uh, disgusting. Yeah. Right. <laughs> what did that represent, though? It was like the symbology behind that, like the whole navel tissue on top of the cross or whatever it was that like marked their grave. Well, whatever it was, it, whatever it was, it, it it's ain't a no rebirth, thing. a continuation of life in like a different ain't, realm. Ain't no thing to the groundskeeper. He's just like, yeah, no, that's normal. Yep. He's he's like excited about it. Yeah, no, that's. That's a part of our ritual. That's going to help her be re- reborn. Right? <laughs> to harvest so many crops. Yeah, and Buddy, at this point, you know, he just got finished calling everybody a liar. He's just hitting the roof right now. <laughs> so Howie is pissed. He's so mad. Like, oh my god. I'm going to exhume this corpse out of this grave, but I don't have any authority to really do that. But we're going to do it anyway. <laughs> He doesn't. He will eventually force his way through, but he's been going around showing everyone this picture of Rowan Morrison. No one seems to recognize her, although they act really odd and off-put by it. But once he gets to this graveyard and sees this umbilical cord hanging off of this tree, he shows the picture to the groundskeeper. The groundskeeper immediately recognizes her. Oh, that's her. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's her. Oh, Rowan. Yeah, shoot, what a sweetheart. (laughs) Everybody knows her. Yeah. Pride gem of the island. And then... 
So he well, wait, no, yeah, he goes and talks to Christopher Lee first, right? Well, at first he goes and talks to uh, um, the, uh, May, the mother. Yeah, the mother. Yeah. Mm. He wants to go confront her about it. He walks in. She's sticking a toad into the mouth of her fake daughter to cure right. a sore throat. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and let it, let it be known that he is charging in there with the information that he has received so solidly from a groundskeeper that uses a vacuum to <laughs> to mow the lawn and there's no tombstone anywhere nope. on this open grave signifying that it is Rowan's grave he's just going based on this guy's word and he's smoking oh, yeah. he's also right smoking there. a pipe while he vacuums the lawn <laughs> right, yeah this is the he's he's charging in through the door with this solid investigation uh, resulting evidence that he has obtained but he watch detective mm, yeah howie you're killing it buddy but he is so he is so offended he is so offended by her sticking the toad in the girl's mouth to take care of her sore throat that he doesn't even stop to question her I'm he just here. calls her raving mad and leaves you're all raving I'm not dealing mad. with this right now i'm a christian man that's I'm it from there, he goes over to the apothecary slash photographer. He tries to get word about why that broken picture doesn't have a copy. That guy has no help at all. He suddenly pretends to be questionable about Rowan's picture, where before he was quite certain he didn't recognize her. And from there, he makes the weird carriage ride all the way out to Lord Summer Isle to have a little discussion about why there's a bunch of fucking naked pregnant women running around in the field. <laughs> Well, if they're wearing clothes, they'd catch on fire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's quite it's quite obvious. Quite it's obvious. It's true. It's the only way to Why jump else? through fire is naked. <laughs> you can't wear clothes <laughs> when you jump you through jump over fire. A fire naked. Come on. Jeez. <laughs> what kind of an idiot are you, Howie? <laughs> so the weird thing of about this point is uh Christopher Lee's character came in here and I didn't realize that it was him for quite some time still um but you're but, aware of who christopher lee is yeah no i'm very aware of who christopher lee is and his name came up and i was thinking about him throughout this movie and wondering when he was going to come in yeah like where the um, hell is he it's like an hour in yeah. and uh but it started to get like actually weird when he was talking with uh with him and i was like oh this is it's it's actually going to do something for real um because the first time I thought that it was still just like kind of little things that were happening, but it, it actually kind of took a turn when his character was introduced, and I and I was much more interested at that point. Yeah, all. yeah, I agree with you. Christopher Lee is very captivating in this part to me. He plays perfectly opposite of uh, Edward Woodward in that he is like very accommodating with his paganism. Like, he's definitely about naked girls jumping over bonfires and his misunderstanding of why Sergeant Howie doesn't know why they wouldn't want to jump over them naked as opposed to being clothed. <laughs> but he's he just takes it. He never gets upset, never gets angered. He's very understanding of how offended Sergeant Howie could be, even when Sergeant Howie does stuff. Uh <clears throat> Gets offended uh, like this. Oh, what is all this? But the best part is when Christopher Lee, because they're having this conversation. He's like, come on, there's a missing girl. Everyone's giving me the runaround. 
You have naked girls jumping around bonfires. What the fuck is going on in this island? Why won't anyone give me a straight answer? And they get in this conversation about gods, the old gods versus the new gods. <laughs> and that's the part where Sergeant Howie gets the most offended. He gets offended in this entire movie. And it's this part right here. And what is the true god? whose glory churches and monasteries have been built on these islands for generations past. Now, sir, what of him? He's dead. He can't complain. He had his chance, and in modern parlance, blew it. What? What? (laughs) He blew it. In modern parlance, he blew it. He's telling Sergeant Howie to his face that the man that he has abided by his entire life is a charlatan that fucking blew it. And that whole 10-second sequence of him just zooming in on Sergeant Howie's face, him, like, twitching and cringing and standing up, all of that, beautiful. My favorite part of the movie, possibly. I feel like at the end of this scene here, I I actually laughed out loud when Sergeant Howie's like, I'm going to need to exhume the body. And he's like, I thought I already told you that that's okay. He did. Like, and then I just started <laughs> laughing because it's like, he did say that like 10 minutes ago. I, I don't know why. From the Actually, very beginning. He's like so offended that he can't think about what's going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the more that I think about it, this performance by Christopher Lee in this movie is, is really quite exceptional. Actually, it's, it's very well done. He's very, it, it's the right amount of, confident ignorant like oblivious just just totally absorbed in 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 the religion just fanatical but not fanatical to the point of crazy fanatical to the point of authentic totally immersed total believer boom like yes like almost to the level of 1984 double speak like i know this is all bullshit but no killing of sacrifice will totally bring back our harvest yeah, no, he firmly believes it. Even at the end, he's, I believe it. It's it's very consistent performance. It's good. He's got the big, poofy, weird 70s hairdo. He's got that six foot five lurch Frankenstein body. He's very calm and soothing. He gives us the whole backstory to the, to the Scottish island cult, essentially, which is that there was like a bunch of poor migrant workers that had no hope on this island in the, eight, in the late 1800s. His grandfather came and... You know, combine some strange strains of fruit to make bountiful, heart hearty fruit that would grow well in these conditions on this island. He got all the poor migrant workers invested in it, so they eventually they liked him at first for giving them jobs, and then as it continued to be bountiful, they liked him because they just loved him genuinely. And from that came this weird pagan cult where he allowed them to respect the old gods of the elements and not push this weird Christian oppression on them. And they tied that directly into the harvest. And now they have this weird, like, uh, blossoming pagan cult on this Scottish island, all developed from this grandfather. And this is the first year since the inception that they have had a failed harvest. And plus, it's, it's very basic pagan religion. So you can't dismiss it the way that you would, say, Scientology or some, you know, Hubbard-esque cultish craziness. It's, you know, it's a common, like, fertility gods, like, sun gods. Like, these are all very common things that go back years. He's so dismissive of of, of Jesus as well. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, don't you believe in, in Jesus? And 
Well, I believe he was also born of a virgin. Um, yeah. So anyway, back in, yeah, didn't back a ghost, in line with what I was already saying. Didn't a ghost put his baby in this ghost. virgin? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much everything going outside the window there is uh, pretty much, yeah. So, yeah, Jesus was born of a virgin. Anyway, so let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> so he's completely offended. Uh, uh, what's... Uh, uh, Lord Summer Isle uh, very eloquently escorts him back off of his estate uh, towards the Green Man Inn. He goes back. Is I think here is where he exhumes the body, right? Oh, yeah. He takes the hair back. Yes. He, like, throws yeah. it. Yes. What a great scene. <laughs> I laughed so hard. <laughs> what a great, we were laughing very hard during this part. He goes to exhume the body. It's him and the groundskeeper. They pop open the casket. The groundskeeper just starts laughing hysterically. Because hey, what's up, Doc? Exactly, because what's inside of the casket? Not Rowan's body, but... Not a rabbit. Not a rabbit. But a hair. A hair, a dead March hair. And you're right, Matt. He just takes it by the legs, goes right back to Lord Summer Isles, and just chunks it on the floor. Throws it at the... <laughs> Look what may, I I, may I take a moment and ask yeah, why it is called a March hair? A good question. Not entirely sure. Maybe that's oh, when the preparation of this broadcast <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, that is at the apex of the adolescent maturity period of the March hair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is that the polytheism of the uh, the uh, the paganistic? Um, yeah. Okay. Oh, what is all this? <laughs> that's a, that's the samsara right there. That's oh man, that's so good though because they they barely react to it. It's the teacher. It's the teacher from earlier. It's this teacher. It is the image of the penis. <laughs> right, sitting oh, yeah. with. I was thinking it was the landlord's daughter. Oh, mm. I know. Yeah, it's not Willow. Yeah, that was just him shamelessly plugging the image of the penis audio clip again. It is the image of the penis. Yeah, that's what I figured he'd do. <laughs> so predictable. That one's coming forward, okay? Every time we do one of these podcasts, there's a few clips sometimes that hang around for a long time. Yeah. Like the, Nathan, come on. <laughs> that one. That one's there to stay. This one, this penis one, he's he's quite fond of it, I can tell. I have to doctor it up a little bit, though, to ch- just this. Penis. 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 <laughs> just, just penis. And then right after that, go the, ah, ah. Penis. <laughs> You're liars. <laughs> <I'm despicable laughs> liars. And you are the biggest liar of all. <laughs> Excellent mashup, Daniel. Sorry to interrupt. Not a problem. And they are, and again, he is so offended. And he is so offended by how not offended they are that he has thrown this supposed, alleged dead body at their feet. And it's just a rabbit. Where the fuck is this girl? Why won't anybody give me a straight answer? And they just keep drinking their wine and playing the piano. Such a nice transformation. It is. She would have liked this. Yes. (laughs) He gets offended at the fact that they think that he thinks that they're trying to convince him that she actually transmutated from a human into a rabbit. Do you take me for a fool? He literally goes into that, and it's great. It's so great. He's sweaty. Everyone's sweaty. It's the 1970s. It's just stringy hair and sweat everywhere. There's something gritty about this sort of filmmaking that I really find charming. I'm having an epiphany right now about how this movie could have been made better. Okay, yeah, go on. 
This, um, that actually just, ties into an experimental segment idea I have about how do we make this movie better. Do you want me to wait? No, you go right now. Okay. I think there should be two. Regardless of whether they're police officers or, you know, religiously based professions, priests or whatever, I think two guys would be able to play off of each other with the incredulousness of what's happening on the island more than just him being constantly engaged and and hitting the wall with all of these people that are just totally brainwashed by this pagan religion it'd be better if he had someone at least for the first half of the experience to be like what the fuck is going on like seriously like we like have somebody to play off of that both of them are you know confirming that this is a ridiculous uh religion and situation and these people are out of their minds and then his counterpart disappears and then he loses it you know even more it like amps up his you know that's when he starts you know going into people's houses and that's when he like it, it would create a breaking point for him to start breaking the rules that he's supposed to be following yeah i'm i'm with you on this especially if the people that he's been that he knows have been witnessing the both of them go investigate through town suddenly pretend like they don't know the other person that he's talking yeah. about yeah yeah like who you you came here by yourself yeah what what? <laughs> what is all this? Yeah. Yeah. And then it would make sense for him to just throw all of his ethics aside. They don't, they just dismiss the fact that he needs more than, I mean, I, I missed the part about the exhuming of the body where he was like, man, hey, go ahead. I missed that part. But, uh, like the, the invading people's houses part is kind of like, okay, dude, you're <laughs> you can't just walk into people's homes. Like you can't do that. Yeah, no, he, he he does eventually lose it, and from not getting the sort of reaction he wanted from visiting Lord Summerisle with the dead hair, he goes right over to the photographer slash apothecary's store, breaks in. Uh, mm. Yeah, the, the break. He finds yes. the pictures, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah he's yeah. just stitching through. Yeah, and what, and what okay. if his what if his counterpart was more aggressive than him, so that when he disappears, it makes him the 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 more aggressive. Yeah. Of, the, yeah. I'm I'm with that whole idea, but as for this movie, you know, he just breaks into this office. No, I just want to make this movie better. Let's just ditch the rest of the walkthrough <laughs> just and just it. talk about making this movie better. <laughs> let's just let's end it the way we wanted to end it. Yeah, yeah. How, how do you, how do you guys think you how, how how do we want to end it? I'll just start writing down ideas. <laughs> Nathan's reimagining of the Wicker Man comes yeah. out of this. Yes. Oh God, Nathan, can you and I start like a remake company where we do it right? No. I think Aww. we should just banter about it for five minutes and let other people be entertained by it. <laughs> okay. Start the company just called Do It Right Media. <laughs> Do It Right. Penis. Um, <laughs> the only important part about him breaking into this office to get the pictures is that he finds the pictures they claim are missing, which is that one that was supposedly broken from the inn, the 1972 Harvest picture that actually shows Rowan standing and smiling amidst a bunch of empty, sad crates... And so he knows, and he puts he pieces it together. He knows that if their harvest has failed, they're all a bunch of fucking heathens and pagans, that this girl isn't actually dead yet. She's just being held somewhere and prepared for whatever fucked up sacrifice they have coming. And he's going to go home, go to bed, not go home, go back to the inn, go to bed, go back to the mainland the following morning, and come back with reinforcements. Like, that's his plan. <laughs> Why didn't he, like, 
bring like you know someone with him like the entire time like, hey, like another police officer or someone to like you know back him up he should have been calling it that. in like this is the 70s but there are still phones yeah no that's true i mean <laughs> it doesn't make sense like you know you just take on this whole investigation by yourself from some anonymous letter that's sent to you i mean who saw this letter besides this guy you know like at, at the police station like, i don't understand it's just him. They've given him freelance to just fly out of this yeah, place by go, himself. Yeah, go, go handle it. <laughs> it's fine. You can take the police plane. <laughs> we don't like no this problem. guy anyway. Just yeah. go out there, just like get lost for a couple of weeks. Thank God you know how to fly it. Uh. Yeah, these these <laughs> things need to be tightened up about this movie. There's so much about this movie that's done quite well and quite surprising with the music element and the... Uh, yeah, just just the way they kind of envelop you in in the culture of of the pagan situation and Christopher Lee's performance, and then they just yeah they there is holes in the whole arrival of this guy and his ethics and his tactics, and it just doesn't that that whole part could be could be done better. Obviously, on a side note, I think our our media company Andrew uh, should be called Ejaculation of Serpents Media, <laughs> <laughs> or perhaps EOS. Code. Toadstone Media? Toadstone. Because no. Toadstone is to protect against the weird woman, which I think is the coolest one. I like ejaculation on serpents. Or you of like serpents. There you go. I said ejaculation of serpents. Yeah, that you works. Took, you, you, you took it in a whole different direction. <laughs> <laughs> you, you suggested ejaculation on the serpents. Right. Well, Nathan, you bring up a, a good point, which is that some of this movie has lost its impact over time. I think, Andrew, you mentioned this as well. Matt, possibly you as well. Um, there's something about watching this movie where you know in 2015, you know from the tone of the movie that you're supposed to be super shocked at certain moments, but you're just not that shocked. It's because we're 40 years past the point where all these things were an issue. So, speaking of time, Nathan, guys, let's take a little travel back. 1973, shall we? 1973, the dirty 70s, the dirty, sweaty, teased hair 70s, bell bottoms. The interesting thing about this being a pagan, a shocking pagan movie is that this is the exact same year that The Exorcist came out and equally shocked everyone. Equally shocked? Like, on the same level? I would say more shocked everyone. (laughs) The Exorcist is definitely a more (laughs) shocking film than this is, especially considering this is a British, low-budget film that wasn't released in America until 1975. But we're going with the era 1973. So at this exact same time that you have this weird pagan movie coming out shocking everybody, you also have The Exorcist, this deeply religious movie that's sort of trying to bring the atheists back into the fold, as opposed to this movie, which is trying to push the religious people out of the fold. I thought that was interesting about the year 1973. This is also the year of Roe v. Wade that made abortion legal in the United States. This is also the year that Nixon was under investigation for the Watergate scandal. This is also the year that the Vietnam War ended. This is a busy fucking year. This is the 1984 of the 1970s. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot going on here. Into a very, like, just coming out of the very conservative 50s through the very weird, awkward period of letting everything go in the 60s, to the coked-up, should we go back to conservative or stay drug-loose 70s, this movie was shocking. Uh, Daniel, what movie won Best Picture in 1973? I don't know, Nathan. Would you like to know? Yes. The Godfather. 
Mm. Great movie. Big year for film, big year for culture, big year for events. What happened at the controversial Academy Awards ceremony in 1973? Is this the year of the streaker? This is the year that Marlon Brando refused to accept his Best Actor Oscar for The Godfather and sent a representative of the Native Americans to the Oscars to refuse the award because of the way that Native Americans are treated in cinema. Oh, and there's no Native Americans in The Godfather, so a very, like, unwilling audience is confused and upset. Well, it's just, it speaks to your whole, like, um, apparently 1973 was a banner year for just people speaking out and scandal and and craziness like this this movie itself is is basically attacking christianity christianity to a certain extent or trying to offend christian religion openly and then you've got you know <laughs> craziness happening at the oscars you've got presidents being impeached you've got wars going on it was a crazy time what? Did you see the nominees? people people smoking serious drugs, right? Seventies is all drugs, it's, right? Yeah, people. but it's weak, weak grass, like weak grass. Mm. Acid wasn't acid a big deal. Yeah, acid was a big deal. Yeah. When when did Woodstock happen? When was that? That was nineteen sixty four. Yeah. It was in the 60s. Oh wow! So this is like peace and love was. It's it's all about drugs by this point. It's all about drugs, bell bottoms, <laughs> big ass fucking hair. It's the it's the beginning of 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 extreme interracial relationshiping. Is this is this the year that uh, Captain Kirk kissed uh, Uhura? Is it, uh is that what that was? Oh, is this that year? I don't know. I don't know. Did did, did the original Star Trek I, series extend this far? I have no idea. I doubt it. I think he's talking out of his ass. Way to be prepared. Hey, Matt, when did Captain Kirk kiss you, Uhura? <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, me either. Let's move on. <laughs> Jesus. Sounds good. All right. We've outworn our welcome in 1973. <laughs> let's uh, get out of here while we still can. Whew. All right. Let's go back into 2015. Let's get this conversation over. We are close to the end of this. Here we go. 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015. Whew. All right, good to be back. Good to be back. <laughs> now this is this is over with. He is ready to go back to the mainland, Sergeant Howie. He's ready to lay this all out to his superiors and get a bunch of people to come back and lay this entire island straight, if not just raise it to the ground. Daniel, the plane doesn't work. It doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> and I called it at this point. I was like, oh shit, he's the sacrifice. He's going down. It is. It was actually the moment that Lord, when I first watched it, it was the moment when he's at Lord Summer Isles and he's thrown the dead rabbit on the ground. And Lord Summer Isle is completely unaffected by Sergeant Howie's threats to come back with reinforcements and break this island apart. It is that moment where I was like, uh-oh. That plane doesn't work. <laughs> that yeah, that plane is not going to start. Yeah, exactly. You knew it wasn't going to start. Yep. Good luck tomorrow morning. Yeah, sure. Boat him out there. It doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> no. And everyone else is like happy to get him off the island. They're like, just get out of here. You're going to be so offended by fucking May Day. <laughs> They've got great patience, you know? They do? They they look like they enjoy boating, boating him out there so that he can 
you know, he doesn't hesitate. He turns around and books it back to the shore in the boat. <laughs> He's like, Bring that boat he doesn't. Back. He doesn't wait. He knows obviously that the that the boats that the that the plane's not going to start, but he's, you know, eh. <laughs> and then he's like, get back here now. And he turns around. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Did you even notice like the masked people that were just like slowly standing up behind like the brick yeah. wall, uh-huh. like staring at him. He's like, can you bring that boat back so I can get back on your <laughs> island of craziness? Yeah. And, and as soon as he like comes out of the plane to check the propeller, everyone ducks back down, nice and coordinated. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. The- <laughs> yeah. Even, even the person that doesn't pick up on the fact that the plane not working equals he's in big trouble yeah the people like rising up out of the hedges with uh-huh. the masks on it's if, if you're not like oh oh shit there's a problem here oh yeah and you're right the harbor master is like giggling under his breath halfway back to the shore when he hears sergeant howie go come back yeah. oh the plane doesn't work oh. Yeah. Oh. that's shocking uh, did you know my daughter is fertile <laughs> Mm. It wasn't the kids. I would have saw them. Yeah. <laughs> it has it has to do with the penis. Penis. And there's and this is where Sergeant Howie is fed up. He knows that the townspeople know something is awry. He knows that they fucked with his plane. So if he can't get reinforcements, he's just gonna go through and search every house himself. Which is hilarious. Apparently at the time, it's like, you're not allowed to wear masks. Because he looks up at the window. They're like those three kids looking out with like the wolf masks on. It's like, take those masks off. (laughs) Take them off now. (laughs) They're like, what? (laughs) It's like, no, take them off. You're not allowed to do that right now. I'm doing a search. Get out of the way. (laughs) Yeah, he pushes people out of the way. He kicks open locked doors. He stumbles in on the uh, death certificate registrar lady taking a bath. Pauses for like five seconds. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, oops. My bad. Yes. He had to take it all in first before the apology. He did. And I just, I just feel like <laughs> the, the, the progression to him going over the top and overboard, spazzing out at the kids with the masks, you know, like I feel like the progression could have been done better. And he, he could have really pushed the envelope with being uh f- you know, frantic about what's happening. He could have. He could have looked a lot more panicked. He's just. I don't think he's a very good actor. Uh well, maybe not at that particular aspect of it. But I don't know. For good actor, Sergeant Howie is tagging me along throughout most of this film. As much as I love Christopher Lee. Mm, yeah, but you watch a lot of shitty horror movies, so your expectations are <laughs> a little bit lower. <laughs> But he does. He searches every house himself. He comes across a naked woman in the bathtub. He comes across a little girl who has, like, crazy... Uh... Yeah, I gotta interrupt you again. Um, <laughs> see, when, when there's an accent involved, sometimes it's easy to be manipulated. When it's just straight up, just, you know, delivering the lines without a lot of, you know, frantic energy behind it, he's just kind of... He's just kind of throwing them out there. He's just he's just lobbing it out there, you know. The, the accent sometimes makes it okay, and it's it's a smokescreen, Daniel. It's a smokescreen. You got to be able to see through that shit. Oh, what is all this? I love Sergeant Howie, but I was gonna give congratulations to the little girl who knew he was coming to search her house and pretended to be dead in the closet. Did you see that part? I looked away I and I did see her I fall laughed. out. I did see her fall and like hit the ground and was like, 
Found a dead girl. There she is. <laughs> There's his lead. <laughs> Credits roll. <laughs> that was it. And she just starts laughing. And she knew. She had to know that he was searching other houses down the street, that he would eventually get to her house. So she got ready, put fucked up makeup on herself to make herself look dead, and hid in the closet and waited for him. They all just think it's fucking hilarious. So funny. Perfectly <laughs> orchestrated, improvised like method of getting him to be some sort of martyr. <laughs> but even then, when it when it does come down to the moment, I I have a terrible habit of jumping forward and in, in walkthroughs. But when it does come down to the moment, they don't all like go yeah. <laughs> they just sing their song and dance and celebratory and like <laughs> yeah, like swinging their arms, like everything is great. Uh, it is eventually great, and th- and this is. He eventually comes to the end of his rope. He searched every house. He can't find her. He just finds a bunch of fucked up bullshit. He eventually goes back to the inn, gets himself a shot of bourbon, and says he's going to go take a nap. And while he takes a nap, the landlord and the landlord's daughter, Willow, very blatantly plot poisoning him with some weird incense. Like a hand? It was like some chopped off hand with like, it's like a candle hand or something. Yeah, a candle hand. Lit on fire and put next to him on the nightstand. Like, what are you going to do when you wake up and see that? <laughs> of course, you're going to knock it off. He's just going <laughs> to delicately blow it out. Hand. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't like this scene. I didn't, I didn't understand that whole like sequence. Like, I didn't get like why, like what the purpose was of like putting like, well, a, a hand like on his, like, his nightstand. Like, well, the hand is weird, but if you know the end of this movie, you know why they so openly talked about. Yeah. And I hate that part of it. I hate the overly strategic manipulative aspect of it because it's meant to drive him out and engage in, in May Day. So it's not... It's not that believable. Do you think he should have been so aware that he would have recognized it as a trick? No, I don't think he would have tried to take a nap to begin with. Oh, he's so flustered and (laughs) offended. He has to take a nap. No, I think the frantic energy needed to just keep building and that that whole scene was unnecessary. And he could have just jumped right into the mayday without having to do any of that. That that whole scene was unnecessary. That is possible. It is a ruse to get him up and suspicious when Willow takes off to join the festival. They've already but, planted those seeds. They, they've done the whole, like, oh, I don't think you want to participate in May Day, blah, diddy, blah. And he's already seen enough shit to, like, be like, okay, I'm going to fucking see what's going on on May Day. Like, that's already in place. <laughs> I'm to freestyle back to the police station. Yeah. My plane no, like, the minute the plane didn't work, coming back with the boat would be like, okay, it's on. You know, but not, not, I need to go take a nap. Horseshit. That's a weak part of the movie. Well, okay, fair enough. Whole strategic manipulation. They're being too smart. These people are like Stepford wives. They're not, they're not that intelligent. They're just following, you know, what the Lord, what is it? Saruman? (laughs) 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 Mr. Mr. Dooku. Yeah. They're just following what Dooku tells them to do, right? They're just, you know. They, yes, they're just, they're just blinded and brainwashed. So they're not strategic, manipulative people. They're just, you know, they dance around to folk music and burn people. They're not. Come on, come on. In the name of God, woman, what kind of mother are you? But there's, it's, to make the movie better, he could have just like came back after investigating a bunch of houses, seen Willow leave for the festival, and then just gone upstairs and 
knocked out the landlord and stolen his costume. We did, you're right. We probably didn't need that whole take a shot, take a nap scene. Either way, we get it. The point of it is to lead up to him eventually knocking Fucking out the he, landlord. He could have been staring at the at the festival through the bushes and just like knocked somebody <laughs> out on their way in. Like he didn't need to do Grove. any of that. <laughs> just staring. Like <laughs> just like, what the fuck's going on with Mayday, right? Like, <laughs> I'll sit in the bushes shit. and be like, oh my fucking God. Somebody <laughs> walks by in, in, in a bunny costume and just knock him over the head. Boom. James Bond style. Just psh, go was, behind the bushes, come back out in the costume. Done deal. Was anyone else weirded out by him, like, knocking the guy on the neck slash shoulder? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. That's fine. It just falls over. No, no. This is very perceptive of Andrew to bring you, up. No, Andrew brought up Captain Kirk and Uhura earlier, and this was a Spock move. <laughs> this was a Spock chop to the a neck. A Spock With move. The candle. A Spock chop to the neck. Spock did this all the time. He just, like, whack right on the right pressure point and people just fell over nathan come he's, on what are you doing what am i what am i doing i'll tell you what i'm doing he's got police training okay this is sergeant <laughs> sergeant howie he's not the smartest guy but he's got police training he's got conviction yeah so he knows where to hit a guy it's fine on the next shoulder yeah, <laughs> on the pressure on the pressure point there's a pressure point on, on the, the next spot. shoulder it's a very careful that. venn diagram overlap of the neck <laughs> and the shoulder well, the guy was wearing the costume, too. It had the big lumpy thing on the back. Yeah. That it, covered, like, the back of the neck and the head. Well, if, if you look... He totally at, went to the side. Andrew, this, the reason I say it's so perceptive of you to bring this up is that I, I looked into this and I stumbled across it while looking at the trivia or the goofs on this movie. And the, one of the goofs on this movie is that there was supposed to be a, another angled shot of him hitting the landlord to knock him out and they lost it somehow and they had to use the reverse shot where it shows him not actually making contact with his head yeah and they just left it and just hoped that you'd overlook it <laughs> sounds like uh some oh never mind no from I the i was gonna say it sounds like uh some quality filmmaking like you get from the room yes but from the fr- <laughs> from the room from the front angle you're supposed to it's supposed to look like he hits him in the head but from the back it looks like he hits him in the softest densest foamiest part of his costume yeah and he just flat out lays down yeah and he's gone hey like <laughs> really gone he's done he gimps him up and ties him up to the bed and he just takes the costume which covers his face it totally masks him and he just goes out and joins the parade and matt and i were laughing so hard because he's just acting like an asshole throughout <laughs> the whole t- what am i doing here i'm getting prodded by these women i'm yeah. getting hit in the ass do i hit him back <laughs> i'm representing the village idiot and the seance this weird march to, like whatever yeah. it is and christopher lee's like yelling at him to what are you doing be a fool yeah. you call that dancing get your <laughs> shit together and dance fool yeah he just just aimlessly Dressed smacks that horse with a stick and like looks around confused and they make their way there's the whole march there's actually we have we skipped over a couple of parts here which is one is that he gets a sneak peek on them discussing the fact that they're going to meet down by the beach to have this parade march out to where they're going to make the sacrifice and two he also has a weird moment in a library where he investigates this whole may 
day celebration and all the weird things involved with it. And he openly just accuses some old lady librarian sitting next to him that she's a fucking disgusting heathen that skins children. <laughs> she's like, I've been here for years. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't affect me at all. And he's like, oh, the the harvest fails and uh, we sacrifice children and skin them while their skin is still warm and worn as mantles. And he just throws that right at the old woman's face, which is great. But all that is what leads up with to him participating in this... Uh, pagan parade out to the sacrifice and they have the weird little moment that was brilliant though like the whole beheading scene mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's like no 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 you have to go in here you have to, you have to participate that beheading <laughs> the scene. clouds are like covering the sun yep. <laughs> like the, be, the beheading <laughs> scene is where andrew and i and chelsea was watching us watching this with us as well um this is where we all questioned the genre of this movie um, they do the beheading scene, they behead, and then it's, <laughs> nobody's head was beheaded. <laughs> Not actually dead. Yeah, it was like a child with like a like styrofoam head. It was something. it was the girl, it was the bug girl. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Oh, it was yeah. the, it was Daisy? Yeah, yeah, it was the girl that did, was yeah. playing with the eel <laughs> on the so ground. so funny. <laughs> nobody's died in this movie. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> this is not a horror movie. It's true. No one at this point has died up to this in in this movie. Even the alleged Rowan Morrison, we don't actually know is dead. So there's nothing. There is no actual death that has happened in this movie yet. And you're right. That brings into question whether or not this is a horror movie. Well, we we kind of turned to each other and just said there better be something crazy that goes down. This this cult better turn crazy at some point here in the next like fifteen minutes because otherwise this is in the wrong motherfucking genre. It is, and I and I'm not sure if you guys agree that it does eventually bring it back into the genre. But once we reach the end of this parade, they've made their fake decapitation. They've had their weird uh, barrels of ale thrown into the sea, and then finally, still in costume, Sergeant Howie sees Rowan Morrison brought out, tied up at the top of a hill ready to be sacrificed and that's when we get some groovy ass cave chasing music what's the matter mr mcgregor now don't be frightened i'm a police officer i've got to try and get you away hurry mr please i don't like it here they're coming do you know what they're going to do oh, they're no, going, no, they're to... going to do come on wait wait there's something that's so strikingly not the same tone as the rest of the movie when that music kicks in. It's this groovy, like, let's get the fuck out of here <laughs> music. This cave. <laughs> it's and, like uh, you're expecting Shaft to come out? Yeah, a little bit of Shaft. Maybe Samuel Jackson pops out, punches somebody in the face. Actually, I just like it when Sergeant Howie punches that guy in the face. He's like, oh, Mr. McGregor, no! <laughs> he just punches him in the fucking face. <laughs> takes off his little girl through the cave. I'm not sure about you guys, but I guess maybe it's not fair since I'm sort of weirdly, iconically aware of the ending of this movie. But the tone of this music and them running through the cave and her just constantly leading him and not being anywhere near as scared as I thought she would be, I thought this whole chase was in question from the get-go. Similar reactions from everyone? Yeah, I mean, like she led him through the cave like I know where to go. And then, I mean, that kind of like, you know, made me question like whether or not this girl was really afraid for her life. Like, you know, I, I need to get away from this place. 
I was not convinced the whole time. I was just like, he's fucked. He's fucked, right? Yeah, you do get that. Is that feeling intentional, or is that just because you're ahead of the movie I, a little bit? I, I doubted it when they when they saw like the opening in the cave. Like that's the way out. When she says that's the way out, yeah. There was a there was a moment where I doubted, but up to that point, I was like, he's fucked. And then after they go through the hole, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, he's it's it's fine. He's fucked. Oh, yeah, he's definitely fucked. The music kicks off, they emerge out of the hole, and there is everyone that's worth any sort of importance of this cult sitting there, no longer in costume, patiently waiting for him to emerge. And then they say to her, "How are you okay? And she's like, yeah, yeah. And then they say, oh, you did good. And you're like, yep, yep. There it is. <laughs> there it is. He's fucking done. He's, he's fucking done. <laughs> because he is a very special kind of adult. Mm-hmm. And that's- when I uh, was watching this part, I was just still so disappointed that somebody didn't get beheaded for real. <laughs> <laughs> like I was genuinely upset because I felt like that would be the perfect point to turn this story and to start making it crazy, which I understand why they didn't because it wouldn't work out with the end. But I was still genuinely pissed off. That it hadn't taken the turn that I'd wanted it to take yet. <laughs> yeah. Which I, is just moments away. But, you know, that's what I was thinking about with this chase scene. Is why is there not a beheaded person? Right. Yet? And then and then shift to the giant wooden man and you're you're letting that go? And then, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, no, I, I would have agreed with you. I would have thought that if they were all just like, you know, dancing around to the humdrum of the drum... And doing their little ceremonies, and then all of a sudden some little girl actually does get decapitated, and there's blood spurting out, and everyone's like, oh, a bountiful harvest! <laughs> so, you know, it's, uh, I'm getting the faces mixed up now. When they were doing, like, everyone was popping their head in, Yeah. the one uh, girl, whether it was the, the landlord's daughter or the school teacher, I don't know which one, she put her head in there, and she looked, like, genuinely worried. Yeah, like a brief moment of panic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then, but it was just like her, and at that point, I was like, "Oh, maybe somebody is gonna get like." That means she's, she's got she's got doubt. Yeah, like she she fears she she doesn't firmly believe in the birth death cycle. It's like some of the other ones do because some of them were right. like stick their head in and be like, "Yep, yeah, no, if it's my time, then I'm fully accepting of the I'm birth ready. death cycle, and I'm ready to be a part of the fertile blah de blah blah paganism." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, and it, but it's weird because upon multiple viewings, you can see they, the the editor or the cinematographer or whoever makes a point of showing that these people that are in this town are very obviously in on this entire plan because there's a part where it shows this cutaway shot of the teacher or somebody like motioning for this little girl to come out of the bushes or out of the distance or behind one of the Stonehenge things, and she like forces her into line ahead of somebody. So you can tell that it's like, okay, here's the part where we're going to bring in the girl for the fake beheading. You're just going to slip in right here. You can see her shove her into line and prepare for the whole joke to play out. Now we... You know, you know what's interesting? Yes. Are, are, are we talking about this giant wooden man now? Yes, we are. <laughs> okay. Because I want to talk about this for a brief second. I want to go back in time. Can you give me a little TikTok? Nope. No. No, I'm talking like, yeah. Yeah. See, ladies and gentlemen, back in my youth, 
me and my friends were quite spiritual in nature, and we thought of the Burning Man um, festivities in Las Vegas in, in, in Nevada as like this epic event that you could go to. And, you know, we were all a part of the original rave movement, you know, before the security guards and the police-sanctioned events, when, when they used to just rent out fucking rollercades and just, you know, just swing it. Oh, yeah, um, you know, glow sticks and pacifiers. Right, except there was nobody there to police it. It was just like, it just erupted on its own and would have to be shut down, and it didn't, it didn't get shut down. <laughs> um. And now but we have burned. You know, eventually it got regulated. But the, the point is, is that we used to talk about the idea of going to Burning Man and how it would be an epic thing to do and how it would be awesome to do that. And now after watching this movie, if I ever actually went to Burning Man, I would be I would not be able to get the Wicker Man out of my head. Yeah, right? I'd Isn't be it? sitting there in the desert in Nevada just like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, you would wicker be. Wicker Man, Wicker Man, Wicker Man. There's like, I'd just be like picturing somebody burning alive Yeah, inside of this epic. You'd approach this huge, like, human effigy on the horizon, and it would just be this running through your head. We confer upon you a rare gift these days, a martyr's death. A martyr's death. And that's the thing. Like this is this is obviously an expression of you know this kind of paganistic ceremony. And it makes you question the whole Burning Man thing. Like what are they doing? Why are they doing this? They're just flying on ecstasy, getting fucking crazy stoned out of their minds in the middle of like dry ass heat in Nevada burning this structure what are they doing why are, what is going on yeah i think it calls that you should go out there like john cusack with a boombox over your head and just lay this out there i believe in the life eternal <laughs> as promised to us by our lord jesus christ just belt it out there let him know well they build like multiple different structures in burning man right and they just like light them on fire it's not just like the burning man like they build like fake bank of americas and like you know corporations and they like put them in flames and they ignite them and it all has like a certain purpose or a message you know Mm -hmm. yeah it's like a huge city like community of artists artistry and expression and all of this jazz but at the heart of it the driving purpose of it the reason for its existence is the burning man yeah true the whole the whole of it wouldn't exist without this thing and it is born of this other thing that isn't really related to it anymore. It just says something about culture and society in general that these things that are born in one instance almost like uh, like like Swedish women being beautiful blonde bombshells. You have no idea where it really came from. And then one day you're doing a podcast and some asshole tells you something that may or may not be true and you have to just eat it. <laughs> God, I fucking hate your guts. <laughs> I just thought I'd bring it full circle. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and bring this whole thing to an end. Well, Matt, Matt was getting all serious with me. I thought he was going to pull a polytheism again. I was scared. <laughs> no, I mean, that's like the whole premise of Wicker Man. I don't know. It's like a God-fearing Christian that goes against the paganism beliefs. And, you know, he's totally in his own 
Walden perspective of like what God is and doesn't understand the entire time. He's totally offended the entire time at everything that he sees. And in the end, you know, he's just part of this whole improvised thing that like makes him like this martyr where he burns in this huge like makeshift man structure of like a burning person. Like I, I just, I don't know. It is great. There is no hope. And this is very much at the far end of the spectrum of the horror genre. Like Nathan, we've been deep in the pits of the opposite end of the spectrum, which is the Friday the 13th end of the spectrum, which is where they're literally trying to give you a kill every set amount of minutes. And then there's this end of the spectrum, where the entire movie builds up to one spectacular death. The Wicker Man, Sergeant Howie, confronted by the fact that he's the fool, the king for the day, the 39-year-old virgin, however you want to put it. I will say this. I'll say that movies like this don't really fall into a classification. You can't really... I mean, you're saying one end of the spectrum is Friday the 13th, and this is the other end of the spectrum. I don't necessarily think that horror... I, I think on one end of the spectrum, there's slasher films, and on one end of the spectrum, there's, like, uh, like, like, hostile, you know? It's, it's you know, it's either one or the other. If, if you're what, trying a to slasher like, or torture porn? That's a, that's a narrow spectrum. We'll have to well, ask everyone here, like, could you compare The Wicker Man to Rosemary's Baby in any way? Like, the, the intensity, like, the buildup? Yes. Like, towards the end, you know, like, where everything just kind of happens, and this crescendo of craziness, like, right at the end, where, like, nothing's really understood until finally, like, it just happens, like, this cult. Yeah, it's about pagans, it's about cults, it's about burning a man to sacrifice him. For Harvest, it's about fooling people, deception. I would say if you wanted to make the argument for like a you know what? folk Fuck thriller, you. You. you could. But I would say this is firmly a horror no. movie. No, it is not. Okay, and I'll tell you why it's not. Because paganism is not something that is like a total outcasted, like offensive issue now it might have been in 1973 but it's not now it was before the whole renaissance era it was cast out it was like the stereotype pagans the, do the we need to go back to 1973 <laughs> is that a threat i don't want to do it in 1973 do you think that people watched this and were scared did you did you hear what matt just did he tried to bring up like the 1700s. If he was in the room right now, I'd punch him in the face. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, you know, it was like phased okay. out because monotheism was so popular. The polytheism mm. was basically phased out. Okay, and even the I'm pagans tried to create now, like one deity, like one single god okay. to like keep their followers, and they still like left and they did their own okay. thing. And it was like this forgotten. Yeah, get learned. Okay, 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 Matt. Fine, let's have it out. All right. All right. <laughs> sure. Everything is cyclical, right? Okay. <laughs> Are you ready for this? Yeah, go ahead. Have you have you have you noticed lately or recently that Wicca is like a thing that uh, you know certain girls are into and think is cool to entertain? Well, Wicca is paganism, dude. It is fucking cyclical. It's there. It's an element. It's a, it's something that people are not frightened of anymore. It's an old idea that's being renewed. And I'm gonna say that if you were into Wicca or you were a pagan or you identified with, you know, sun gods or fertility or any of that stuff, if you watched this, this is not a horror movie. This is a musical. 
That's a little <laughs> no, bit I quirky agree and like weird. The sound that of burns a guy cults, at the end. Yeah. This is nowhere near the horror genre. That's ex- yeah, I feel like it's not also. I can see how it got the cult following. Mm-hmm. And when I worked at a like an independent video store that had a huge cult section, like that's what we rented was cult movies and classic and yeah. foreign. This would be a um, cult This would be in, in the cult movie section, cult. not in the horror movie section. Yeah. Cult. Okay, yeah. fair. Off there is a strong overlap in the cult horror section. I don't know. That's like saying you know, breakbeat is the same thing as electronica, but really that's, it's that's difficult because yeah, like if I think of. Right? I'm tired of listening to this semantic bullshit. <laughs> the point is, at the pinnacle of this movie, there's no happy ending. There's no Scooby-Doo. There's no Sergeant Howie going back to the mainland to get reinforcements. He's gonna fucking die. <laughs> did you did you did you read the the uh, the interesting side note that during the filming? While Howie was in the Burning Man, a goat that was above him in the Burning Man peed on him. I did read that. I kept thinking about that. Like, when they put him in there, I was like, these animals are going to, like, shit on this guy's head. <laughs> <laughs> Something's going to happen. There's so many, like, like we're going to throw some animals in here anyway, you know, even though it's like a human being this year. We like, didn't have a harvest. Let's throw some animals in there, you know. For, like, if a, they throw some chickens and goats in for extra, <laughs> yeah. extra measure. I was thinking, this dude's going to get shit on. <laughs> He's going to have something happen. That, like, adds that. to his, like, split second of uncertainty. Because they say to him, because... How he says, he calls him out and says, if you don't have a good harvest next year, it's going to be you. They're going to come for you, uh-huh. Summer Isle. Right? It's and like, he, no, he has not. a moment of hesitation. Like, <laughs> like, no, they're not. no, I believe. I believe. But if you really did believe, why are you throwing in the extra juice? Right? Yeah, not exactly. Sure, right? Why are you throwing in the chicken and the goat? Huh? <laughs> You're a little bit worried. Admit yep. it. And in that same trivia where he may or may not have been pissed on, there was also a bunch of debate about whether or not these other extraneous smaller animals were actually killed in this burning of the effigy. (laughs) (laughs) The chickens. And it was the 1970s, so no one really gave a fuck that much. It's all the PETA people now, like 40 years later, like, hey, travesty. Yep, exactly. Well, don't they kill animals anyway? PETA people. I mean, just on the side. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, they, there's there's argument for that that they eventually do. Yeah. But in question to this, this is it. That is that it is over. The, this movie ends with like a very cinematic shot of the head of the wooden wicker man burning and collapsing and then just a zoom in on the horizon sunset and we're done. We are ready no, for next no, year no, no, to be no. bountiful. You are glossing over the dance that yeah. all of them are doing in unison and swinging <laughs> their arms together. Oh, yeah. There is a very happy... the Carlton. This is, that's what <laughs> I mean. Prince. I don't know how you can even go near the horror genre with this thing. They are happy. There's a celebration. They are staying very true. They are doing this movie from a pagan perspective. So Pretty much, they're yeah. Very, they're, they're celebrating. This is a happy moment for them because they are certain that this is going to impact their harvest next season. And that, sir, right there, aside from all the bullshit we've been spewing, that is the main reason why you should remove this from the horror genre in your mind. Oh, no, 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 no. And and apologize. (laughs) Apologize to the listeners of 100 Lunatics podcast 
because this should have never been on the wheel to begin with. You're liars. High five. High five. You are despicable little liars. And you are the biggest liar of all. And you are. That exact... I could turn that... I could just mirror that argument exactly and say that's the reason that this is in the horror genre. It is a bunch of people happily dancing with smiles on their faces as they watch this man burn to death. It is the fact that they maintain their innocent quality while they murder this man and joyously dance around his burning body. Yeah, but you're totally acting on the presumption that there's a psychological impact on people 40 years ago, which you can't speak to. You weren't even alive. So shut your fucking mouth. I would say it's stronger. It had an impact on me, so I can only exaggerate that decades back. Well, it's. I think there's only one thing that we can come to here, ladies and gentlemen, as a conclusion to this whole podcast, and that's that Daniel and I are in a fight. Nathan, come on. What are you doing? Total disagreement. Total disagreement. (laughs) Although I am glad that you're invested enough to bring up this argument in the first place, because there is. I think there is a a qualified argument as to whether or not this is a true horror film. All said and done, movie's over. We've experienced this all together. Uh, Let's go guess first. Um, Andrew, would you recommend this film? I feel like at the beginning of this, I would say no. But after going over the whole thing, I actually really enjoyed Christopher Lee's performance. Yeah, he's enough to say that I probably eh? would suggest (laughs) people to watch this just to see him do really good acting. This is so fascinating to me, hearing Andrew, his first time on this podcast, saying this shit, because this has happened to me several times. It's really weird, because, like, I don't think the movie was that great, but there's, like, just moments of of brilliance. Brilliance! That's what happens. happens. You sit here, you you, you watch a movie. This happened to me on other uh, 100 Lunatics podcasts, where I I watch the movie, and I'm like, oh, this is garbage, this is dog shit. And I just like make all these notes, and then I end up in this conversation with Daniel about it, and I start to appreciate little nuances about it. And at the end of the podcast, I'm like, actually, you know, there were some things that need to be appreciated here, and it just pisses me off. So the other thing that I want to say about this is that this would not be something I would put on like a burden list <laughs> for anyone, but. Um, like if you're running out of things to watch and you want to watch an actor do something special then then or have moments of something special then yeah i would suggest you to watch this there you go give it a chance matt <laughs> would you recommend this yes i i would recommend this movie just because i want my anybody to see how uncomfortable sergeant howie is throughout the entire movie. <laughs> <laughs> i mean the guy is just so offended the entire time but i mean going back to i guess like the horror genre i mean there are plenty of horror movies based off of cults you know you know i mean like children of the corn you have house of the devil you know i mean i mean there's so many different horror movies based on the premise of like this slow steady building cult like trying to lure someone in and like eventually like taking them and sacrificing them in some way so i can see how it fits into like the horror genre but at the same time i can see how it would also basically i don't know just just be like an intense thriller not really like a like a horror movie just something about the psychological like thriller in a different like subclass. But I mean, regardless, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I'm not going to say that I didn't. And I enjoyed how Sergeant Howie just got so completely offended. This God fearing 
Christian the entire time. <laughs> I felt so bad for the guy. But, I mean, no, I, I would recommend it. Like, definitely. I, I would. There you go. As much as you guys are surprised to be swayed against your own opinion by participating in the podcast itself, Matt, as well, leans towards your side and that he's not quite sure. Nathan, would you recommend this? I would. And I think it's primarily derived and I, and I hear what Matt's saying about the um, the the genre stuff although I am trying to attack it because that's what I do I'm an asshole I just <laughs> I you know he's bringing up movies he's, he's he's referencing movies that I haven't seen and it also brings up the fact that I'm you know I'm ignorant about horror movies to a certain degree I have watched a lot because of Daniel so I'm learning but I don't automatically classify this and I I, I would just push the whole musical angle because there's, <laughs> there's, there's so much music in this movie that it just I don't know. It, it, it's, it becomes a blend of multiple genres. And even if horror is involved in this, in this, if you want to classify it, it wouldn't be horror, period. It would be horror slash something slash something. Like there would be a smorgasbord of, of classification on this. And uh, just as a side note, I want to do a shout out and just say, Matt, I hope you come back. You've been uh, an awesome like Ed McMahon to, to Daniel's to, to Daniel's Johnny Carson with the with the cackling laughter in the background is just perfect. I loved it. Very entertaining, very entertaining conversation. And uh, again, I end up appreciating a movie more than I thought I would by the end of the conversation. I uh, th- there's there's some tight shit going on here with uh, with the commitment that they made to the paganistic perception. And there was a consistency with all the people involved in the religion that really presented itself. And it really works well with all of the Howie um, experiences, how he, <laughs> how he reacts to all of it, right? Like if, if, if all that isn't there, if Christopher Lee's performance isn't as strong as it is and all those musical elements and all those people aren't so like, you know, spot on. Little things like, like the church conversation where she's focused on the fact that it's not a church, it's just a building, things like that aren't you know they're they're subtle and they're they they add to the whole wall that howie's bumping up against oh beautiful Nathan, beautiful all right let me get my final word on this the wicker man 1973 iconic horror film known by everyone maybe not seen by everyone but should be seen by everyone It's not classically horror. We've been over that. I think everyone said their piece on that. Uh, It's not brutal. It's not gory. It does test your limits. It does leave a weird impact. It is enjoyable seeing how offended Edward Woodward gets at everything happening in the small town. But really, it's that you don't need much. This movie, if anything, is a perfect example of how you don't need much to make a lasting impact of a horror film, or a film in general. 500,000 pounds, whatever that equates to American money in 1970s, holy shit, who knows, it's almost nothing. But they have a way of making the cinematography seem expansive, it doesn't seem claustrophobic and cheap, it's well done, it's worth your time, it's captivating, it's lasting, it has a way of haunting you, The Wicker Man. 1973. Oh, gentlemen, that can only mean one thing. It is time to spin 
for next episode's watch. Matt, since you're closest to me and closest to the wheel, I'm going to go ahead and give you this honor. I want you to stand up, go over there. Don't mind the uh, thunderstorm that starts when you start cranking the wheel. Go ahead and give it a good crank. There you go. Pull it nice and tight. Tug it down. And release. There you go. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> the category is 100 years of horror. The year is 2009. The movie is Night of the Demons. Since this is the remake and you have not seen the original, you will actually be watching 1988's Night of the Demons. A personal favorite. Good luck. 1988's Night of the Demons. You guys know nothing of this. Is that a Stephen <laughs> King or was that a... It's not a Stephen King. It is a gory, kitschy, cheesy horror movie that came out at the apex of 80s horror. 1988, Night of the Demons, beloved, and and recently remade with uh, the foreign exchange student from American Pie and a very fat, recovering drug addict, Edward Furlong. But... Because of the precedent that this very podcast set with watching the original first, we will be watching the original as opposed to the remake, 1988, Night of the Demons. Be prepared. Nathan. Hmm. Andrew. Matt. Yeah. Nothing to say. Thank you. (laughs) What do you want me to say? I'm looking up Night of the Demons right now. I'm very concerned. Yeah, I don't think I've seen this film. No, Nathan's the only one here that should be concerned. Andrew, you're probably next in the line of being concerned. Matt, I think you might enjoy this one. Uh, this is brutal 80s classic horror movie. If you guys watch this, there won't be any debates about whether or not this is a horror movie. This is blood, guts, demons, a bunch of people trapped in a house during a very fateful night. This looks horrible. Yeah. Oh, you're going to love it. <laughs> this looks horrible. You are going to love it. You and all the boys, Nathan. All the boys. All the fucking boys. All the fucking boys. fucking boys. Oh, Nathan... Willow's song from this movie is very popular and has been covered by dozens of bands. Are you aware of this? No. But the first thing I'm going to do after this podcast is to look it up and download all of the different versions so that I can listen to them before I go to bed. All of them so you can dance naked and smack your ass and smack the windows and the cabinets. <laughs> yeah, you bet. And But the, I listen to a lot of them, and the sad thing is that very much... Uh, most of them are just direct copies. They're just singing the song themselves. I was hoping for like an awesome death metal version or something, but the best I could find was a Sneaker Pimps cover. Oh, shit. Of Willow's song called How Do. Sounds mm. very much like the actual Willow song. Again, it's just the best done that I could find. And on that note. You can check us out at 100lunatics on Twitter, 100lunatics at gmail.com to email us. Uh, Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes to the 100 Lunatics podcast or the Trailer Park podcast, newly separated from the network at large. Just look up 100 Lunatics or Trailer Park. You'll find everything you need, everything you'd ever want to listen to. Check out a shush commentary track while you're at it. We're getting ready to get back into that. This is back. We're on top of the world, baby. Bringing you quality as always. Matt, Andrew, Nathan, last words.
Don't ever have me on your there podcast. You Definitely. I've had a great time. It's great meeting everyone. And, you know, I hope to be back. A little more knowledge and you know background on the movie before I like, just watch it once. I'm gonna watch it six times like Daniel does, <laughs> you know, so I can attack well, everybody. <laughs> no, it's my, been a great time. My final word would be that um, although The Wicker Man was a ridge, I disagree with Daniel that it was captivating. It was okay, just okay. I'll take it. It was ridic. <laughs> it was it was it was ridic and a ridge. It was a ridge. It was a ridge ridic. <laughs> Totes. Hundo. Hundo. Hundo ridic. Hundo ridic. There you have it. The original Wicker Man, and next time the original Night of the Demons. Let's Crazy. go out. Let's go out with some Willow. Andrew, Matt, I hope you're here next time. I'm not sure if you will be, but I hope this wasn't as offensive to you as everything else was to Sergeant Howie. (laughs) Night of the Demons will be a true test. We'll see if Andrew's in or not. (laughs) Yeah, that could be a first and last time event. (laughs) Oh, no. No, I love the feedback. Please join us. All right, Sneaker Pimps, take us away. And you are the biggest liar of all. In the name of God, woman, what kind of mother are you? I believe in the life eternal, as promised to us by our Lord Jesus Christ. You little slut! Ladies and gentlemen, I've got the winners. I give you Tommy Ross and Carrie White.